I'm wet just thinking about you. I'm like a dripping faucet. I'm sitting in my office, the Tuesday after Thanksgiving, the last day of November, listening to Kurt play his voicemail on speakerphone and trying to stay on top of things after everything that's happened to my team and what's happening to me, when there's a loud crash followed by someone shouting, Fuck! 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 I'm not sure if that's Neil's voice or if Kurt's phone calls have taken a turn for the homoerotic, but before I can get up to find out which one it is, Emily appears in my doorway. You better come quickly. I follow Emily to the break room, where Neil is pacing back and forth from wall to wall, his lips moving in a silent mantra, his arms folded around his chest, hugging himself. Then his hands go up to his head, one on either side, as if he's trying to hold it in place or keep something from getting out. The entire time, his eyes are clamped shut. Today, he's dressed all in green, which strikes an uneasy chord. It also reminds me that we're behind on the reports for the Kermit. Kurt shows up a moment later, with Vincent trailing behind him. What happened? asks Kurt. Emily shrugs. I have no idea. He opened up the refrigerator and started screaming. The refrigerator door stands open. One of the shelves on the floor, half the contents of the refrigerator spread out across the tile, bottles broken and containers leaking. It looks like an appliance terrorist bombing, with condiments and soda cans and Subway sandwiches among the collateral damage. Hey, Neil, I say, what's going on? His lips continue to move in a constant whisper like he's saying a prayer. I can't hear what it is, so I step farther into the room. What did you say? I ask. Neil stops pacing and turns to look at me, his face red, his lips twisted in fury. They're gone. Uh-oh, says Vincent. Here we go again. You're not helping, I snap. But he's right. This doesn't seem like just an OCD freakout. I turn back to Neil. What's gone? He walks over to the refrigerator and points an accusatory finger at it, his hand shaking and his lips quivering. They were in there this morning, same as always, and now they're gone. There's nothing left. Nothing. Okay, what was in there? I ask in a soft, soothing voice, trying to calm him down. But I'm pretty sure I know the answer before he gives it. My juice boxes. He walks away, his hands alternating between hugging himself and trying to hold his head on while he repeats, fuck, in triplicate. When he resumes his pacing, I walk over to the refrigerator and bend down to look inside. Neil did a pretty thorough job of emptying the contents, so I don't know what I expect to find. Maybe Mrs. Butterworth and the Pillsbury Doughboy looking out at me from one of the shelves, shrugging their shoulders, their forefingers circling the sides of their heads. Yeah, tell me something I don't know. I stand up and turn around. Are you sure you didn't? Neil is in my face before I can finish my sentence. I didn't do anything. Spit flies from his lips, hitting me in the face. Not just a couple of strays, but a full deployment of spit. It's like I'm the USS Enterprise being bombarded with saliva photons. And just like that, the attack is over, and Neil is pacing back and forth again, 
hugging himself and whispering some secret phrase over and over. I walk over to Emily, Vincent, and Kurt as I wipe the spit off my face with one sleeve. Does anyone know what happened to his juice boxes? I keep my voice low and my eyes on Neil, who is now standing in the corner like little Jack Horner with his back to us, his hands holding onto his head instead of his Christmas pie. Kurt shrugs. I didn't take them, says Vincent. Me either, says Emily. But I swear I heard him slurping this morning when I got into work. Neil always drinks one of his juice boxes at the exact same time every morning. Never a minute early, never a minute late. He's as inevitable as a Hollywood sequel.